This week's song is Black Pyramid. It appears on the album Bottoms Up from the band Agent Octopus. You can find them at agentoctopus.wixsite.com slash agentoctopus. Or just follow the link in the show notes over at our website, monsterkidradio.net. That, of course, is the website for the podcast, Monster Kid Radio. The podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. And this week, it's the podcast that's announcing the winners of this year's Monster Rally Retro Awards. We actually call them the rallies around here. Every year, we honor the best in genre cinema. And this year, we're taking a look at 1934, 44, and 54. I'm excited to announce the winners. Earlier this year, I had the ballot open to everybody. And you guys and gals cast your vote to let me know who the best actor, actress, director, movie, and monster were from those years. And now we're going to announce the winners of that with my friend, your friend, author Stephen D. Sullivan. He's going to be joining me, Derek M. Cook, to announce the winners. Of course, that's not all we have going on in this episode of Monster Kid Radio. We've got a weird Wednesday report from Jeff Pollier talking about a movie that made him very happy. He's got a little bit of news to share about what's coming up on an upcoming weird Wednesday event at the Joy Cinema, and I'll talk about that. We also have some feedback, and that means I'm joined by my lovely wife, Brenda. She is back on the show because she's back in town, and she missed you guys and gals, and she's joining me to go over your feedback, your emails here on the episode. Of course, that's going to happen towards the end of the episode. Middle of the episode, we have the Rally Awards. Before that, we hear the Weird Wednesday Report. Before that, well, we've got this. Thunderbird International Pictures presents... The Death Curse of Tartu, a legend black with evil and red with the blood of innocent youth. Photographed in the forbidding depths of the Florida Everglades, this is the incredible story of an archaeological excursion planned as an educational adventure and ending as a blood-spattered nightmare of incarnate hallucinations. Cold and slimy creatures without mercy hunt and kill controlled by the soul of a rotting corpse. They danced over the grave of Tartu, who was restless in his coffin, and made passionate love on his burial mound until... They faced the terrible reality of the death curse of Tartu. Was it really a killer shark in the swamp waters, or was it... Tartu, who had sworn vengeance on all who disturbed his grave. If we sit here and wait, it's only a matter of time until Tartu will destroy us all. Thrilled to the heart-stopping suspense of scenes that spare no detail of horror. See the bloody massacre of terrified youngsters as Tartu the Witch Doctor returns to wreak vengeance. See The Death Curse of Tartu, coming soon to this theater. Hello, this is Rod Barnett, the host of The Bloody Pit, the podcast about eclectic film from across the decade. On The Bloody Pit, we've covered 
Godzilla movies, Doctor Who movies starring Peter Cushing, The Outer Limits, Fu Manchu, Doc Savage, old radio shows, my favorite movies of all time, a Lucio Fulci film or two, 1970s science fiction movies, and a long series on the films of Italian maestro Antonio Margheriti. So if you're curious to learn a little bit about some of the stranger areas of cult film and television, join me and my rotating group of co-hosts on The Bloody Pit. You might even learn something about Coffin Joe. And that's scary, people. Very scary. Let's prepare for a landing, Brad. Okay. In a 40G gravity atmosphere, strange thing happens to man's body and mind. Barry Sullivan and Norma Bengel take you into the most fantastic science fiction adventure ever filmed. Emergency! Emergency! Conditions desperate. Little chance of survival. Help us. Mark, look! What have you got? The Galliot. Bert, get me a fix on this right now. Wes, Brad, controls. Planet of the Vampires. Harboring a form of life worse than death. Planet of the Bloodless. Creatures who take men's bodies, but attack like vampires. I'll tell you this, if there are any intelligent creatures on this planet, they're our enemies. In this outer space world, the living dead try to escape into life. Dallas. No, just his body. And I'm just one of many beings on this planet. And we're fighting to survive. It's imperative that our race continue to exist. We arranged for several of you to kill each other so that we could take over your bodies. You are our last chance. No, never. We'll all of us give up our lives to save our own race. <laughs> Hi, Derek and the Monster Kids. This is Jeff Pullier calling in with a Weird Wednesday report. Last Wednesday, for Weird Wednesday at the Joy Cinema in Tiger, it was The Mad Monster from 1942. And, well, I'm proud to say this was a great movie. So the plot is that in a secluded house outside a secluded village, a scientist is working to develop a formula, kind of a super soldier formula, to combine man and beast to make them uh, into more effective soldiers, uh, basically killers that could just tear through the enemy ranks. And he's using the gardener and groundskeeper as his test subject. 
it's kind of a scientific take on the Wolfman because he transforms this guy through, through chemical means into a, a wolf, wolf-like creature and uh, then uses him to murder the scientists that have previously scoffed at him. So the mad monster of the title, in my opinion, is not the poor groundskeeper turned wolfman. It's the scientist himself. He is a monster. He is a terrible, terrible person. And for a while I was thinking maybe he was just uh, amoral, that is, science above everything. But during the course of the film I decided, no, he's actually evil. He is the mad monster of the title. Uh, it's a black and white film. I don't remember what studio it was. It wasn't Universal. But I don't know why this movie isn't up there with some of the Universal features in terms of love from Monster Kids. Because it was a great acted movie. Uh, I think the directing was well done. I, I enjoy the heck out of it. I, I highly recommend that people go out and watch this movie. You know, even if you can't see it on the big screen, see it on your little screen. It, it's well done, very well done. So there you go. Now you're up to date. And tonight I'll be going to the Joy again for another Weird Wednesday, and I'll let you know how that went. Have a great week, everybody. Jeff, thanks for calling that in. And I got to tell you, man, I just love hearing the enthusiasm here. I haven't seen that movie in a very long time, but you are putting it on my to-watch list right near the top to go back and revisit because it sounds amazing. And listeners, earlier tonight, I received a message from Jeff, who was at this week's Weird Wednesday. I don't know what, I don't remember what they were showing this week, but I'm sure he'll call it in. Anyway, he was telling me that next week, Weird Wednesday is showing Return of the Vampire. I am so there. From Planet 13. Come in. Come in. To Mortuary of 18 Living Nightmares. Where Carlacroom of Hollywood presents... For the first time on stage, the fourth dimension. Can it be true that any volunteer will be decapitated with a meat cleaver? See it, hear it, and actually feel it. (laughs) Unbelievable, but true. 13, 14, 15 knives will be driven through the head of any unsuspecting person. If there is anyone left, after the crawling thing from Planet 13 creeps over the audience seeking fresh human blood. Look out for the monsters, skeletons, and other creatures flying above you, running after you to rip your flesh apart. Karakun, the master of horror, has more delicate acts. Lady Godiva on a white horse, drifting in midair. For those who will embarrass easily, blindfolds will be furnished free with peeking hold. In case you pass out during this triple horror science mystery show, that's tough. <laughs> Pleasant nightmares, friends. <laughs> Mary, no! God, let's go! Mm.
simply don't understand it. Of course, the sound is coming from the basement. It's all right, I've got you, Mr. Adam. No, no. Show me what? Gotta get away from those eyes! Get away! Get away! George, no! Are you attracted to the dark? Fascinated by the dramatic? With a side of gruesome and a dash of poetic justice? If your happy place is a gloomy room at midnight, then you should be listening to the podcast, Twelve Chimes It's Midnight. Please join us, won't you, for plays of mystery, horror, and suspense. Find us and subscribe wherever you procure your podcasts. And remember, at midnight, anything can happen. Trapped. 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 (laughs) They're trapped in a whirlpool of shrieking fear. From the most fiendish idea ever conceived by the human brain. The brainiac. And it has a friend. She was beautiful, desirable, and not altogether human. The curse of the crying women. Together they will trap you in a world of horror. But if you live through it, you will never forget the brainiac and the curse of the crying women. Hey gang, I thought I'd drop in here real quick and just let you know what the format's going to be for the Rally Award winners. Basically what we do every year. We're going to have Steve join me here in a second. And we're going to announce the winners for the 34, 44, and then 54 categories. Uh, We're going to do each decade separately. And between each decade, we'll do a little something else. So let's go ahead and play what we've come to view as our official rallies music. And that would be the song Kashika Beach Party from the album. Meanwhile, in Mallorca from the band Hattori Hanzo Surf Experience. Let's do it. ladies and gentlemen it's time for the monster kid rally retro awards we've been doing this every year this is the fourth year and every year we have a tradition we have Stephen d sullivan join us to not only announce the ballot which we did earlier this year but announce the winners welcome back to the show sir hey it's great to be back i can't believe it's been four years that we've been doing this it's it seems like both shorter and forever <laughs> Well, wait a minute. Maybe my math is wrong. Maybe my math is wrong. Maybe this is only year three. So 31, 32, 33. No, this is 34. Math is hard. I, You know, I'm a monster guy, not a math kid. Sure is. So, well, it yeah. might actually yeah. be the fifth year because we had kind of a year where something all went wrong and it didn't come. Yeah. So maybe we've actually been doing five years. I don't know. It, it's at least four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Either way, the Rally Awards. We're going to get to this. This is something that I'm really excited about. I always like doing awards shows on my podcast back in my previous podcasting days i did yearly award shows on that show and 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 i love doing it and i love that steve came up with the idea to do it the way that we do it we look at three decades the 30s 40s and 50s and come up with the best actor actress movie director and just let's see best monster and best movie all together i believe yep i had to look at the ballot (laughs) (laughs) i'm unsure and i'm the one who came up with it most of it (laughs) but what we do is we look at three years 30s, 40s, and 50s, and Steve came up with the idea of doing 
like 31, 41, 51, 32, 32, and so on. And this year we're doing 1934, 44, and 45. So we could do it in like 10 years rather right. than like Right, yeah, we didn't want to do one year at a time. I mean, not that I don't mind talking about monster movies for, I don't know, 60 years, but you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this year we're doing 1934, 44, and 54. And we're going to get to that, but there's a few pieces of business we need to deal with before we get into all of that. First of all, Steve, happy belated birthday. Oh, thanks, thanks. That was uh, yesterday as we record this. So Steve is now 29 years old. Yep, <laughs> it's the, uh, my, the, the the 30th anniversary of my 29th birthday. There you go, there you go, there you go. <laughs> and as a birthday present to Steve, I think all the listeners should get involved with uh, Dr. Cushing's. Now it's a great time to do it. I'm not sure when this will be out. If it's out before Halloween, it will be. we'll be finishing up Dr. Cushing Halloween. That's just the way I did not plan this. That is just the way it worked out. So over the next uh, month and a half as we record this, we'll be getting the final chapters of Dr. Cushing up on the site. And if uh, you get in before then, you get to see it all before it previews publicly or premieres publicly. CushingHorrors.com Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to play the promo later on in this episode, but I wanted you to have an opportunity to tell people about what it is. It's it's a serialized story that speaks to everything Monster Kid, basically. Yeah, it's basically a serialized classic monster story in the, the tradition. If you took Universal's traditions and Hammer's traditions and kind of melded them together, I don't want to say smashed or anything because I think it's really it's pretty seamless that you meld those two traditions together and that gives you Dr. Cushing. We have a, a mummy and a vampire and a werewolf in it and there's a kind of a, a mad sculptor in the tradition of House of Wax or any number of other similar movies. There's just a lot of monster kid stuff in Dr. Cushing. You know, we've got a kind of the the uh, Van Helsing-ish monster researcher character we have twin daughters who have some psychic abilities we've got lots of monsters the three main monsters i mentioned but there's also other little hints and treats for monster kids that are kind of paying attention and a couple of them come right near the end of the series where hopefully people go oh that's and then they get that little revelation and it comes out every other week free online on my site sdsullivan.com and if you want to support it cushinghorrors.com right that's a patreon campaign that steve's got running and i'll make sure there's links in the show notes of course and like i said i'll play the promo for this as well later on in this episode and i will be fairly soon i think asking people what they want want to see me do next after dr cushing whether they want me to go right into a dr cushing sequel whether they like a sequel to daikaiju attack giant monster attack story whether they want to go into the frost arrow stories which i think is kind of my tendency that i'm gonna want to do next just because i've had those stories uh, around for more than 20 years now <laughs> And I kept thinking, I'm going to rewrite them. And now I'm thinking, I'm not going to rewrite them. I'm going to polish them and, and get them out there so people can see them so I can move forward. Because that was planned to be a, a series of books that was going to be at least 30 books long. Wow. <laughs> it's not going to be that long anymore because it was planned as a monthly kind of – it was going to be goosebumps for grownups. <laughs> so hold that thought, Steve. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Uh, there is one other piece of business we got to do every time we have somebody on the show. You know what we got to do. Uh-oh. 
Are we going to do the Classic Five? Of course we are. Awesome. All right, so for people who don't know, the Classic Five is a card game that we have here on Monster Kid Radio. I've got a deck of cards here. Each one of these cards is a this or that, yes or no style question. What's your favorite monster movie? That sort of thing. There are no wrong answers. Some people call it a game. Some people call it an icebreaker. I call it the Classic Five. Steve, are you ready to play the game? I am ready to give it a shot. All right, here we go, right off the top of the deck. Now, there are different types of cards. There's a core deck, a universal deck, a hammer deck, and a Monster Bash exclusive deck. I am still working on the official Kaiju and Deep Cut deck. Those are coming, but for now, we're going to use what I've got here in my hand, which is a universal card. Steve, what was the most recent universal monster movie that you've watched? Ooh, that's a good question. What is the most recent Universal Monster movie that I've watched? Hmm. I definitely saw Secret of the Blue Room. Not too, too long ago, but I'm sure I've seen something else since The Wolfman. It was The Wolfman. Almost certainly The Wolfman, which is one of my favorites, too. Oh, it's one of the best. Totally one of the best. It's top two or three, I think. Second card. I'm going to pull this from the in-production second core deck. So these are questions that not even Steve has, even though he owns a copy of the Classic Five. Who is your favorite classic Scream Queen? Uh, classic Scream Queen or counting Barbara Steele? It's up to you. Uh, it's Barbara Steele. Really? Above Fay Ray and Evelyn Anchors? Above Fay Ray and Evelyn Anchors. Wow. I just think Barbara got... And those were my other two choices. I just think Barbara actually got deeper into the whole monster mythos than the other two. The other two weren't monsters. <laughs> okay. As much as I like them, uh, you know, and maybe discounting one performance or so for each of them, which, uh, you know, I, maybe we could count Evelyn Anchors, who I think is pronounced Evelyn Anchors, but that's it's all right. a, It's actually Evelyn. It's actually Evelyn. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm positive. I'm positive. Even check with Gregory William Mank on this one. And uh, Did he actually know her? <laughs> uh, he, he spoke with family. And when I asked him about Evelyn Anchors, he was quite impressed that I actually had it right. <laughs> so, oh, well, there so, you go. Yeah. The, then the classic trailers have gotten it wrong. I know, right? I'm, I'm sure they say Evelyn Anchors. In fact, my mother-in-law is named Evelyn. Yeah. So. No, and I talked to Gregory about that, too. I was like, but? And he's like, yeah, I know. So. <laughs> So she said Evelyn. That's that's yeah. cool. I'll try to keep that in mind. Um, anyway, we could argue that in Weird Woman, she's a monster. But in a classic sense, Barbara Steele is the one of those three that actually played monsters and played them regularly and mm-hmm. has, you know, a really solid body of work playing monsters. So she's she's my classic scream queen. Okay. Didn't Evelyn play a, a Frankenstein at one point? Mm, yeah, I think she did, but the, the scientist, not the monster. Right, right. So. Well, I would have said Frankenstein's monster, Steve. Come on now. Right. <laughs> so. No worries. Well, well, speaking of Frankenstein, it's going to come up in our third card, which is from our Hammer expansion. Steve, what do you prefer? Peter Cushing as Van Helsing or Peter Cushing as Frankenstein? Oh, my God. I hate this question. I've heard other people get this question before. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Baron Frankenstein. And I love his Van Helsing. I love it a lot. But he played Baron Frankenstein more. And honestly, it's him as Baron Frankenstein that holds a lot of those movies together. You know, if you ask me which series I like better, I like the Dracula Hammer series better. Because Mm -hmm. some of the monsters in the Frankenstein series aren't really monsters. (laughs) But you do have Baron Frankenstein 
who connects them all. So it's really about him. And therefore that's, that's why I'm going with Baron Frankenstein. Okay. All right. Well, that was card three, card four from the core deck. What is your favorite Ed Wood film? Ooh, that's, that's tough. It's either plan nine or pride of the monster. I mean, I'd love to go really obscure and get some of these kind of crazy nudie cuties that Ed Wood did, but honestly, I don't remember what any of them are. And I have, I've only seen like one. Um, so in terms of actually being a, a decent film, I think I'm going to go with Bride of the Monster. You know, it's got a real Bela performance in it. And aside from the insane cheapness of it, there are some actual good monster movie moments in that one. Whereas Plan 9 is a, a wonderful, goofy, worst movie of all time kind of goofy movie. Mm. I'm going to go Bride, Bride of the Monster for Ed Wood. I know Ed Wood didn't intentionally go and say, hey, I'm going to make a bad movie. You know, I know he tried his best to make the best movies he possibly right. could. And I think in terms of, quote unquote, real movie making, he probably succeeded most with Bride of the Monster. Right. Although having seen Night of the Ghouls recently, I'm kind of impressed by that one, too. But I have a very, very, very soft spot for Plan 9 from Outer Space. And that's a, a bit of foreshadowing, listeners. Stay tuned because something's coming for that. <laughs> anyway, uh, Final card, final question, going back to the new deck that I'm working on. Steve, if you could dress up as a classic monster for Halloween, who would it be? Oh, I've, I've dressed up as – does Barnabas Collins come? <laughs> hey, if it's classic to you. Uh, Barnabas Collins is actually something that I have enough stuff to dress up as. But I've played Dracula or a vampire like Dracula on more Halloweens than I can count. So it's it's always one of those two. I had uh, the last in this last year, this is an interesting note. The uh Target last year had a lot of Universal Monster stuff. And one of the Universal Monster things I ended up was getting a full head creature from the Black Lagoon mask. So I got it home, I was very excited, and I tried it on and I couldn't see anything out of it. <laughs> I couldn't even see enough out of it to actually get a decent selfie picture with me wearing the thing. And then I started to get really claustrophobic, too, because it's like there's eye holes, but there's not a nose hole. There's not really much of a mouth. It's like it was just stifling. I'm going to stick with vampires. So if, if you want a specific <laughs> vampire, it's either Dracula or Barnabas Collins. Hey, vampires work. Vampires work just fine. And, and there's nothing wrong with Barnabas. Nothing wrong at all. Yeah, if I could be a monster, I'd be the creature. Because super strong, swims underwater, awesome. But yeah, dressing up is a vampire. Okay, there you go. Well, that was the classic five. Steve, how do you feel? I feel classified. There you go. Wait, okay. <laughs> I okay. feel good. You, you hit me with a couple of, uh, out of a new deck, so that's kind of cool. It's like, oh, never never heard these before. Haven't had time to think about it. You're my beta tester. Is basically. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to pull out some of the newer questions because I know some people have the deck now, and I still want to keep them guessing. So I know I say this every time, listeners, but there is a way for you to have your own copy of the Classic Five, and I promise this time I'll remember to say something about it at the end of the show. So let's go ahead and talk about the rally awards. Like I said, this is 1934, 44, and 54. Steve, do you have the ballot? I have a ballot in front of me. Excellent. So I don't know the winners. We should say that. Yes, you don't know the winners. I do. And it's been long enough ago that I'm not even going to remember a lot of the nominees without this ballot. Maybe it's just the fact that I'm, you know, kind of getting a little older, but there's kind of a joy in doing this. Every time I do it, it's like, oh, look, new. <laughs> oh, look, new. 
You know, it's like the peekaboo game with little kids or dogs or something <laughs> like that. You hide it from them, and they forget they've seen it. And now it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I really like the 1934 Best Actor category. It's really good. Yeah, so we're going to start with 1934. And just so listeners know how the ballot broke down, we typically had up to five nominees. And I think this time around, we did have five in each category. But there was always a place for people to write in an other. If we missed something or there's something that you thought needed to, to be on the ballot, you can always fill that in. Yeah, and I might I might have even done that this year on, on something. Okay. So 54 was just, what a brutal year that the was. The 50s for, are, yeah, and 54 made up for what happened in 53. <laughs> Wasn't it 52 that was the real problem? One, one of them, yeah. One of those two. There was that terrible dead year. I think it was 52. Maybe maybe it was 50. I don't know. Anyway, it's not this year. Check the archives. <laughs> check the archives. So yep. the way we did it when we announced the ballot is I, I read the ballot and the nominees and Steve reacted to them. This time around, I'm going to have Steve read the ballot and then I'll announce the winner. Awesome. 1934 Best Actor. We have Jack Holt from Black Moon. We have Boris Karloff as Karloff in The Black Cat. Remember, Boris was uh, so famous, he only had one name at that point. <laughs> Ed Lowry from House of Mystery. We have Bela Lugosi from The Black Cat. And the great Frederick March, Death Takes a Holiday. And the winner of the rally is... Who do you think, Steve? Who are you pulling for? I went for Bela Lugosi. And the reason is I think that the Black Cat is one of his best performances in terms of he's well he's playing a mostly good guy but a good guy who has serious flaws uh <laughs> and the other obvious choice is Karloff because that this is black cat is their best film and they're both astonishing in it but there were other categories to vote for boris in so i went with bela how did uh, how did he do how did uh, who turned out on top here well steve would have lost the office pool on that one bela came in second of course the he did. The person who won, yeah, of course. The person who won was Karloff. Oh, what a for his shock. Role in the, yeah, for his role in The Black Cat at 46.2% of the vote. Ooh. Bela came in at 41.5%. So pretty darn close, but once again, Karloff edged over him. So, so hey, you Bela Lugosi fans that didn't vote, it's your fault. <laughs> well, well, okay. <laughs> All right, let's roll into Best Actress, Steve. All right, rolling into the Best Actress here. We have Mary Foy for House of Mystery. We have Mary Morris for Double Door, which I still have not managed to watch, though I think I have a copy now. We have Marta Roel from El Fantasma del Convento, The Phantom of the Convent. We have Mae Stewart from Beast of Borneo. And we have Faye Ray from Black Moon. And I'm going to be really surprised if Fay Ray doesn't win this. Oh, she did. She did. She came away, just nailed it. She came away with almost 80% of the vote. And and justly so. I mean, she's yeah. a, a wonderful actress. In the, we are in the prime of Fay Ray's monster career here. And I think this might have been one of those years where the only reason she's not on the ballot three times in this category is because I think after last time we said, you can't be on the ballot more than once in your category. Yeah, we really tried to avoid that this time. Congratulations to Ms. Ray. She was awesome right up to the end of her life. What a great lady. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Best director, 1934. Yeah, let's hit it. Fernando de Fuentes, El Fantasma del Convento, The Phantom of the Convent. We got Brian Desmond Hurst for The Telltale Heart. We have Michael Leeson for Death Takes a Holiday. We have Roy William Neal for Black Moon. And we have the great Edgar G. Ulmer 
for The Black Cat. And again, with The Black Cat being such a strong movie, I'm going to be shocked if Ulmer does not win this. Oh, he, he did, certainly. At 82.8% of the vote, Edgar G. Ulmer nailed it. And this this is one of the best films of the 30s. I mean, just flat out. Not right. just horror films, not just genre films, just one of the best films. Ulmer had an amazing eye and knew how to, and unfortunately, it was also a wandering eye, but he had an amazing eye and knew how <laughs> to use it. And it's such a shame that he got blacklisted the way that he did and ended up working on lower and lower prestige films towards the end of his career. But this one, just amazing. This um, is, it's mm-hmm. such a shame that he had that career stumble later in life. But this one, he is at the height of his powers. Mm-hmm. Boris and Bela are at the height of their powers. And that gives us, in my opinion, the greatest Boris Bela movie of all time. And one of the great horror movies of all time, period. Mm-hmm. So... That brings us to best movie. Hmm, are we seeing a trend here? Well, let's find out. We will see. <laughs> for best movie, the nominees for 1934 are The Black Cat, Black Moon, Death Takes a Holiday, El Fantasma del Convento, The Phantom of the Convent, and The Telltale Heart, or other. There is always that other thing, but I don't think we've seen an other win anything yet. No, so we haven't even seen an other turn up on the... Not on the balance yet. Pardon so. me if I don't mention it much. <laughs> no, it, it hasn't come up at all here. But yeah, you're right. The winner was The Black Cat. Almost 90% of the vote came in for The Black Cat. Solid film. Seriously, we don't want to oversell any of the films that we love to people. But Yes, we do. It's amazing. <laughs> it is dark and twisted, and it's still got those little grace notes from the 30s that are you know there's a little bit of semi-comedy and this kind of stuff but there is this movie has text and it has subtext and they're both kind of screaming at you it's wow great performances all around too it's just it's unique it is and i don't think they would have made it even a year later no and i'm not even entirely sure they'd remake it today because it's just it's got a more than a bit of an edge to it. It would lose something. If they tried to do something similar to that now, it would it would lose a lot because they'd probably go just because of how things are these days and poor in Hollywood, it'd be over the top gore. You know, we'd see the skinning, right. you know, all that. So Right, yeah. You know, and there there would be other things that they would probably play up and I don't know, they'd either cut them up or they'd screw them up and it's just Yeah. You know, something would go wrong. If this was perfect time, perfect place. Yep. So that brings us to the last category in 1934. Correct. The last category is Best Monster. We saved the best for last. <laughs> and the nominees are The Crazed Orangutan from Beast of Borneo, Hjalmar Polzig, Boris Karloff in The Black Cat, Death from Death Takes a Holiday, The Killer Ape from House of Mystery, and Don Maxwell, the maniac from The Maniac. And the winner is... So before I announce the winner, I want to just acknowledge that the crazed orangutan actually got one vote. Awesome. Which I didn't expect because some of these categories, there are some nominees who didn't get any votes at all. But the orangutan actually got a vote on this one. So... Yeah. Uh, The winner is uh, Karloff's character, Polzig. Yeah. Because he's he is a monster. <laughs> he yeah. is one of the biggest monsters in all of horror cinema. He is ah mm-hmm. no, again. Sorry, we don't want to oversell it. Your mileage. Yes, may, we do. Your <laughs> mileage may vary, but 
I think nine out of ten monster kids would agree that this is a great film, and the characters are amazing. And uh, hey, it took all but one of the categories in 1934. Which one didn't it take? Oh, the best act- uh, actress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's well, okay, <laughs> we won't we won't give too much of that away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there were reasons that there there are reasons there are reasons. Yes. But we'll uh, we'll forgo those and move on to 1944. Before we dive into 44, though, I know I stopped you earlier. I want to hear more about Frost Harrow because I'm familiar with a lot of your work, Steve. But I feel like the Frost Harrow stuff, in the time that I've known you, it's always been something that you've done before, not something that you were actively doing. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but I, I when was the last time you did something with Frost Harrow? I actually, every year for the last four or five years, at Halloween time, I've released a new short Frost Harrow series. That so, I'm just apparently not paying attention. Yes. So it, and they're <laughs> all on my site and they're all kind of interwoven in the times, mostly the times before the actual series takes place. And this is a series that back at the start of my career as a novelist of more than 20 years ago, I came up with this idea. Goosebumps was really big at the time. A lot of people were reading fiction on the trains this, and this is i need to stress this this is before there were your e-readers which was a critical error on my part i came up with this idea that it would be a really cool idea to do an adult horror series that would come out every month and it would be a short book a book the size of a a little bigger than a goosebumps like a hardy boys sized book it would be self-contained every month but also have a serialized story that would run for a, the course of at, at least three years was my plan at the time. And as I had the time to work on it between other projects, I actually wrote six of these little novels. And two of them are actually a connected novel. So I wrote them, and I talked to my then agent, who was a, a fairly famous and well-known agent, and he was he got very excited about it, and I sent him manuscripts for all of them, and then he completely screwed up the sale. So it, the sale did not happen. So they sat around for a while, but then just a couple of years later, right around 1999, the Rocket ebook came out. It was the first ebook reader, and I thought, okay. These could these would be a perfect ebook kind of thing. So I put them on online with a a site. Well, maybe it was even before the Rocket e- ebook reader. There was a site called FatBrain.com that had was selling books online before there were really ebooks online. I had them up there for a little while. They didn't sell much of anything, but then that folded and went away. And then I got involved in other things. So basically, I had this whole long story plotted out for these uh, in monthly installments. I had finished the first six months worth, and they just they just sat there. But I don't know. Ten years passed, and we got to the point where ebooks were really starting to be a thing. And I thought maybe I should release these for this. But it was before it became really easy to do so. And I thought, well, okay, yeah, but that was, you know, it was from almost 10 years ago now. So I'm a better writer now than I was then. I should rewrite them. And so I started doing that. <laughs> and then I, other things would come along and I would get stalled out. And then I would start rewriting it again. I think I rewrote the first book three different times completely. 
And it always, something always stalled me out. Eventually, the thing that really made it difficult was these books were written at the end of the last century. So they were all kind of pre-digital revolution in a sense. People had cell phones, but they were the kind of brick cell phones. People had computers, but they weren't the kind of super internet computers that we have now. And all that technology needed to be updated if I was to keep it a modern horror story, because the idea was it was contemporary to when I was writing it. And I got trapped in the idea that I had to rewrite it into the present. More recently, I've come to believe that I was just wasting my time rewriting something I'd already done and done fairly well, because this is one of my wife's favorite things that I've ever written is this series for all its flaws in terms of technical flaws in terms of writing. It's still going to be better than a lot of stuff that sells a lot on Amazon from less experienced authors, but it wasn't up to my standards, but I got very wrapped up in trying to fix all that. And really what I should have done and what I'm thinking I'm going to do now is just give them a, a light polish to remove anything that's just egregious and, you know, maybe correct a few small things that I, I just can't live without, but to put them out and let them be the story that happened in 1996, that happened before the turn of the last century, because one of the plots was to actually have a, a thing going on at the millennium. So my thought now is that I'm going to actually re release these as they originally were. I may release at some point in a special edition the two or three rewritten versions of the first story so that people can see how, how all that progressed, if people even care about that kind of thing. But my thought is if I release them as they were, then maybe I can actually pick up the story and continue it and, and get to at least a, a couple of key plot points because there was kind of a climax – I had three years more or less plotted out, and there was kind of a climax at the end of every year. And I won't be doing 12 books every year again. I'll be trying to kind of hit the key story point books. I'll be skipping the ones that were maybe less essential to the plot or focused on characters that weren't the major characters. That's kind of the thought right now. And especially if people want to see this, they can go to the Patreon, CushingHorrors.com, and encourage me to, to do that and to release those as my next project after Dr. Cushing. So these were contemporary to the time that you originally started writing them? Yes, they were modern, modern gothic horror novels. Okay, and they had a very heavy Dark Shadows influence? Is In that the right? tradition of Dark Shadows, yeah. Okay, excellent. Okay, so yeah, just so people kind of know. Goosebumps for Grown Ups or Dark Shadows is written by Stephen King. Okay. That was kind of the that was what I was shooting for. Ironically, right or not ironically or whatever is the whatever is the word for when someone else has the same idea you do and does really well with it and you can't get it yours off the ground. This all happened right at the same time, literally at the same time that Stephen King released his Green Mile as a serialized book. Ah, uh, okay. I was like that was my idea. <laughs> How dare he? Gotcha. But, you know, uh, that's just one of those things. And if I'd been a little a little swifter, I would have released them right at the start of the ebook revolution. And people would have them all now and be demanding more. Rather than having me talk vaguely about them for 
at least the last 10 years that I've thought, oh, this next year is going to be the year. Maybe 2019 is going to be the year, especially if people really want to see this. So Pushing Horrors is set in the 1930s. Well, between the 20s and the 40s, sometime vague between those two times. And the Frost Arrow series is set just before the millennium. And there you go. I now know more about Frost Hero than I ever did before. And how long have I known you? Uh, <laughs> a long time now. Yeah. 10 years, more than 10 years. I don't know. I haven't been keeping track. Very cool. Let's go ahead and move into the 40s. 1944. There we go. So we're starting, as always, with the best actor. What do we got? We have Lon Chaney Jr. for Weird Woman. We have Laird Krieger for The Lodger. We have Boris Karloff as Dr. Neiman in the House of Frankenstein. It is Neiman, right? <laughs> Neiman, yes. <laughs> Dr. Neiman. <laughs> we have Bela Lugosi as Arban Tesla in Return of the Vampire. And we have Ray Milland in The Uninvited. Now, I want to say this is one of the strongest <laughs> yes. Cast feels that we've ever had in in one of the rally awards. I'm looking at these and I'm thinking, I could vote for every one of these guys. Oh, they're all solid, all solid. And you know, I mentioned Gregory William Mank earlier. He just put out a book about Laird Krigar, and I, I didn't know anything about this guy. I I need to read that book. It's on my wish list. I didn't and either until I got the. There's a Fox Horror quote yes. unquote collection mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. his two seminal films in it mm-hmm. that until I watched them, I was like, who is this guy? And by when I watched, after I watched the first one, I was like, oh my God, this guy was amazing. He was fantastic. And in The Lodger, he's great. Now, he wasn't great enough to win, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and, and this time around, our boy beat out Karloff. Bela Lugosi awesome. wins for Return of the Vampire. Truth be told, I am pretty sure I voted for Bela because I think this is one of his his finest roles. Oh, it's fantastic. Return of the Vampire is a solid film anyway. And again, I know Steve's going to say we don't want to oversell anything, but yeah, yeah, I can't oversell Return of the Vampire. It's such a solid film. <laughs> and there was one of our friends, I don't remember who it was, that was saying recently they didn't think it was such a great film. And I, I, I don't remember who that was, but I have to respectfully disagree with them. I mean, yeah, it's got some of the flaws that any films from the 30s and 40s have, maybe. But it's got Bela as a vampire. It's got a, a werewolf in it. It has the most amazing female character, maybe from the 40s right? period right? in it. It's a solid film. It's a sequel to Dracula, basically. I mean, it really, it, it, everything but name only. And everything it's, but name. It is so good. And it puts yeah. it in a World War II setting, which I adore. I mean, it's just fantastic. Right. So Yep. Yeah. So it's contemporary to the time. And yep. it's... It's uh, really well done and a lot of fun and a great Bela performance. So I'm totally glad he won. Indeed. Best actress. Best actress. Here we go. Here we go. The now correctly pronounced Evil and Anchors, <laughs> despite what the trailer says, in Weird Woman. We have Anne Gwynn from The House of Frankenstein. We have Ruth Hussey from The Uninvited. We have Frida Innescourt from Return of the Vampire. The self-mentioned awesome character. <laughs> and we have Nina Foch from Cry of the Werewolf. Again, this is a very 
very strong category here. You know, we were talking about how 54 is tough, man. 44 had some really solid performances, too. Uh, Frida yeah. won. Frida on a score won for Return oh, of the Vampire. awesome. I wasn't sure she would. I wasn't sure enough people had seen this film. Now, uh, Evelyn came in second, but uh, Frida came in first. She pulled in the award for Return of the Vampire. Which just makes it such a shame that they did not do more films with that character. Oh, man. Because she, honestly, we could have seen a whole kind of monster series with her as the Van Helsing character, because that's basically what she is. Basically. And, you know, I know when we saw that at the Monster Bash two years ago uh, on the big screen, one of the questions I had for uh, the the guy that was talking about it, who you're going to remind me his name. Uh, Frank Delastrito. Delastrito. One of the questions I had asked was, do you think that one of the reasons that this character is a woman in this was because they were trying to differentiate it from Frankenstein. He didn't know, but I'm pretty convinced that in the original draft, she was probably, this character was just Van Helsing. <laughs> and when they said, Oh, Universal's going to sue us. What can we do differently? Suddenly she became a woman. It's like, well, that's clearly not Van Helsing. It's a woman. Look, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, for whatever reason, but it's a great character, and I'd uh, Universal. If you're, uh, it's not theirs. I was going to say Universal. If you're listening, I'll write a whole series, but it's not theirs. It's Columbia, and I don't even know who owns Columbia yeah. anymore. Well, like, and you know, even if it, yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Maybe it's public domain by now. I don't. I know. doubt that. But yeah, <laughs> no. But the character might be. I don't know. Yeah, it depends on who owns the script. So anyway. Uh, let's move on to Best Director. We have Lewis Allen for The Uninvited. We have Earl C. Kenton, House of Frankenstein. We have Lou Anders for Return of the Vampire. We have Reginald LeBorg for Weird Woman. And we have the great Robert Wise for Curse of the Cat People, the sequel to Cat People. Mm-hmm. Which just came out on Blu-ray earlier this year, and it looks amazing. And the winner is... Robert Wise. Oh. Yeah. It's a good choice. He's a great director. Can't argue with it. Solid choice. I probably voted for Lou Anders because I like Return of the Vampire that much. And it's kind of nice to see Return of the Vampire not blow it out. I mean, it's a great film. But sometimes I do wonder and I worry sometimes that when we have a movie like The Black Cat and it blows everything out but one, if people are just like, oh, okay, you know. So I'm, I'm, nice, I'm happy to see some variety. I agree. I agree. And we've got best movie coming up here, and, and there may be some surprises here, too. We're just going to have to see. Here we go. What do we got? For best movie, we have The Curse of the Cat People, House of Frankenstein, The Lodger, The Uninvited, and Weird Woman. And we'll notice that Return of the Vampire is not in that list. But somebody did put it in as their other vote. It was only one. It wasn't enough to take it, but it did get it did get some representation. The winner, however, has not won anything yet. House of Frankenstein. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Among those five, I probably would have voted for The Uninvited because it's a fabulous film. On See, I would have gone Weird Woman just because that's one of my absolute favorites. But I'm not picking the winners. The listeners are. Yeah. And that's, that's what we're here for. We are here, we here to service your wishes. And last and most importantly, of course. Within we, reason. Within reason. <laughs> in terms of monster movies. <laughs> awards. <laughs> you know, I guess this is the internet age. You have to really be more specific. 
All right, best monster. The best monster of 1944 is Frankenstein's Monsters, played by Glenn Strange from House of Frankenstein. The Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney Jr. in The House of Frankenstein. Karis is also played by Lon Chaney Jr. in The Mummy's Ghosts. We have the Spirits, who don't even have a picture because they're ghosts <laughs> in The Uninvited. And we have Armin Tesla as played by Bela Lugosi in Return of the Vampire. So just for a point of clarification, Karis actually ended up on the ballot because he was in two movies this year, The Mummy's Ghost and The Mummy's Curse. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. The Mummy's Ghost and That's The right. Mummy's yeah. Curse. Yeah. So, Universal was Universal was pumping those mummy movies out. And they're all kind of almost the same, but all have their unique joys, which is why yes, we, we love do them. so much. One of these days, Steve, you and I are going to pick up the rest of the mummy movies we haven't talked about yet here on the show. Absolutely. I think we've got, what, two to go, maybe? It's not these two, is it? <laughs> I'd have to double check. I love these films, but I always confuse their titles. Ghost, so. Curse, Hand, Tomb, Library Book, I don't know. Uh, the winner right. this year <laughs> was Armand Tesla, Return of the Vampire. Bela's fabulous as Armand Tesla, even though yes, he is. we have the perennial favorite Lon Chaney Wolfman there. And, you know, anytime that comes up, it's hard not to vote for Chaney because it's his key role and he's pretty fabulous he's so good in it that attempts to redo wolfman have never kind of worked because he's not there so i i agree with you 100 percent there and i know some people like the del toro the benicio del toro performance but for me lon cheney is the wolfman and what i really respect the most about what lon cheney does is that he played the wolfman through all the films for universal and even at the end he was still giving it his all Yep. I mean, you can tell in the Mummy movies, he's just kind of a guy walking around. You can tell with Karloff's performance as Frankenstein's monster, he's kind of over it about halfway through Son of Frankenstein. But Chaney always did it. He always put his all into it. And that's kind of because he was Talbot in some ways. Right. And it's amazing. Yeah. And the funny thing is that that even came across in Jeff Rovin's Return of the Wolfman. Yes. Uh, you know, he really, congrats to Jeff Rovin for that. He really nailed that Talbot emotional mm-hmm. arc thing the, that tortured soul inside without overplaying it. I mean, one of the, you know, not to digress too much, but one of the reasons that I wasn't fond of the Del Toro remake, despite great makeup work by, by Rick Baker and company was that he went from dark to dark. <laughs> and the thing with Talbot is he has to go from light to dark, you know, Del Toro's got Talbot starts as kind of depressed and tortured over the death of his brother and then becomes depressed and tortured over the fact that he's a wolfman, as opposed to Talbot, who is tortured because he's the wolfman, but started out as a light soul who'd fallen there, and you could still see him reaching to get back what he had lost throughout every performance he made. Of the Wolfman. Okay, this time I'm going to cut in because I got a voicemail from Steve Turek, who, you know, longtime friend of the show. He was backing me up over at Monster Bash, helped me with the top 100 favorite monster movie lists that we did. And he and I kind of had a thing going back and forth regarding who was going to take 1954. Well, he called in with some thoughts before he found out who won. We'll play that, and then we'll get back to the announcement with Steve Sullivan and I. Hi, Derek. This is Steve Turk. I just wanted to say that um, the Wasp Woman last episode was really well done. You always do a great job. I don't know what I don't know how you pull it off, but every episode is is always 
right up there and in excellence. I mean, I think you're just hitting your stride. Maybe maybe it's um, the nose surgery. You're able to do breathe better now. I don't know. But whatever it is, you're doing wonderful. I know you said on that thing you're supposed to do the rally awards with this episode that's coming out. And I wanted to give my feedback to that episode prior to knowing any of the results. And um, basically, the 1954 is the year I care about. I know it's the year you care about. Uh, the Battle of the Titans, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Godzilla or Gojira. And, of course, we have them. And we know, as we know from our monster movie list, they were all three in the top ten, and uh, it was definitely going to be a battle of the titans. Now, not knowing the results, I'll give you feedback three different ways. You can choose to air these any which way you want, or you can air all three, just make me sound like a total fool. It's up to you. Feedback number one, the outcome that it should be, Gojira wins. He gets redemption from not beating the creature from the back lagoon in the top 100 movie list, finishing fourth to its third, and we finally have everything right in the universe. All hail Godzilla. Possible feedback, too. Creature somehow wins for a second time in a row. I believe there's a bias in the Monster Kid radio because of its because of its always showing support of everything Creature from the Black Lagoon. I think that leads people to have a more likely to vote for Creature from the Black Lagoon instead of Godzilla. I also think we might have checked your podcast for possible subliminal messages that are leading people to vote for Creature from the Black Lagoon. I found myself almost voting for Creature from the Black Lagoon, and I think it's because that you are sending out subliminal messages and are having an effect on people. Feedback possible number three, them wins. What the hell's happening in the universe? I love that movie, but how in the world could that movie sneak in and beat Godzilla and Creature from the Black Lagoon? I don't know what in the world's going on anymore. The, 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 the universe is going ter- up topsy-turvy, but I can say them you were an excellent film, and I do enjoy you. And that's just the feedback I have to give for you, Derek. Let's dive into the 50s and wrap this thing up and bring it home. 1954. 1954. And if this wasn't a tough year for you, you weren't paying attention. <laughs> you're, you're, wow. Um, best actor. And I've got something coming. Here we go. Best actor. Richard Carlson. The hero. From, from the Black Lagoon. Lee J. Cobb from Gorilla at Large. James Mason in a great performance as Captain Nemo in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. We have Vincent Price as the titular Mad Magician. And we have one of my favorite roles of all times. We have James Whitmore for Them. And the winner is... We actually had a write-in as well. Ooh. We had two people write this one in. Uh, he's from Gojira, Akahito Harada. There you go. That's that's close so, enough. Yeah, fair enough. So we actually had a tie for best actor. Ooh. So we have two people taking home the rally this year for 1954's best actor. We have Vincent Price from The Mad Magician and James Mason from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Wow. They both got 30.8% of the vote. Wow. 
right? I probably voted for Mason. I don't remember. Because <laughs> I, I love I love a lot of these performances. And, you know, not enough is said probably about how great a film 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is. It's amazing. And Price is great in The Mad Magician, even though there's at least one point where I think they dubbed his voice. And I think they should have not dubbed his voice. I think they should have dubbed the other guy's voice. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So, great. Good. Well, good for them. That's surprising. Maybe one of the first ties we've had? I don't remember, but I, I am a little surprised. I'm a little shocked that Vincent Price didn't take it home just because he's Price. So, very cool. Very cool to have James Mason on there as well. Well, I thought that uh, Richard Carlson might have uh, gotten all your your creature love. You know, he only got nine votes. Away with- he only got nine votes. Yeah, he he's a square jawed hero. No one ever said he was the greatest actor in the world. But James Mason and Vincent Price, they could make a pretty good run at greatest <laughs> actor in the world. I think. All right, let's kick off best actress. Who do we got? Julie Adams oh. as Julia Adams <sighs> from Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. Amazing performance. I, I need. I need. Hold on. I need a moment. Hold on. Okay. Good. Okay. okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, she's a great character, great performance. Anne Bancroft from Gorilla at Large. We have Ava Gabor, who, boy, do you want her to get killed by the mad magician. (laughs) (laughs) We have Momoko Kochi from Gojira, Godzilla, 1954. And we have the amazing Joan Weldon, the scientist woman from Them, who has some of the best lines ever in male-female interaction in science fiction movies from the 50s. I love this character. Them was on the other day. That's not a universal film, is it? No, it's it's Warner Brothers. And I just watched I watched it again for the the scene where she dresses down the 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 tough military guys about how she doesn't have time to teach them entomology before she goes down into the the nest of the (laughs) giant ants with them. Anyway, we have Joan Weldon as well. This is a, a very strong category. Probably the only time we'll ever mention Anne Bancroft seriously on Monster Kid Radio. Um, she didn't <laughs> win. Uh, the winner was my 1950s girlfriend who almost got half of the votes, Julie Adams. Hmm. I can't be sad by nope. that. Even though I think, you know, and I'm going to lose your friendship here, I think I voted for Joan Weldon because I love... No, you're allowed to be wrong. It's okay. I I love that character that much. And as much as I love the Julie Adams character in Creature, uh, I kind of feel like she loses her agency in the second half of the film. And Joan Weldon is there in the final scene of them being the still being the tough scientist girl. So, so Joan Weldon actually came in third. Second was uh, Momoko. Oh, and she's terrific. Gojira. Yeah. She's terrific. All right, let's, let's so. kick off Best Director. Another strong category. Director, and you're not kidding. We have the great Jack Arnold from Creature from the Black Lagoon. We have John Brom from The Mad Magician. We have Richard Carlson directing Riders to the Stars. With uh, Herbert L. Strock as well. Yeah, uncredited. We have Gordon Douglas for them. And we have Ishiro Honda for Gojira. Honest to God, I don't remember how I voted in this one. <laughs> this is There are three of these that I would take my top vote any other year without a lot of competition. Who did 
the uh, the listeners to Monster Kid Radio. Go With for almost two thirds of the vote coming in, Ashira Honda took it for best director. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, you know, he's one of the great directors of all time. He really is. Now, I want to say something about Richard Carlson as director for Riders to the Stars, and I think I mentioned this when we announced the ballot to begin with. That was totally the producer of Monster Kid Radio exerting his will on the nominees because (laughs) I love that movie. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. Moving on. (laughs) It's actually a really good movie, and I think that the – is it OSI, I think? Yes, the Office of Scientific Investigation. They're the kind of movies I wouldn't have appreciated as much as a kid, but now as a, an adult, I can f- really appreciate the mm-hmm. try that they were making to do pretty serious science fiction back in the, the era of giant bugs and giant monsters, which are completely represented here on this list by yep. you know some of the greatest films of all time. Uh, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon, them, and... Gojira, Godzilla. I mean, they're they're probably all on my top ten list. <laughs> they're amazing films. They're solid films, solid films. And uh, about Gojira, so I think it was last year we opened it up to the listeners to have them decide how we're going to handle some of the Japanese releases because Gojira was released in '54, but in '50 was it '55 or '56 that Godzilla yeah. King of the Monsters came out here? They are substantially different in terms of what they're doing and and the story itself. So you will see Godzilla King of the Monsters on the ballot more than likely as well. So you may see some of these names repeat, just it's a different film. And we'll probably do the same thing with Varan the Unbelievable if it ends up on the ballot because it's significantly different as well. Gamera, significantly different. So you might see that happen with some of these titles, some of these movies. Yep, exactly. This one is Gojira though. And that brings us to best movie. Mm -hmm. The best movie is Creature from the Black Lagoon. I'm just going to cut you off there because that's what I believe. Best movie <laughs> is Creature. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Gog, which is uh, an OSI picture and not the one that was nominated earlier, but uh, a fine 3D movie and uh, has great killer robots in it and other cool stuff. Gojira, the Mad Magician, and the original giant bug movie and still the best, Them. Whew. Man. <laughs> okay. I uh, I don't know. Like I said, there are three of th- literally three of my favorite monster movies. Movies that I will literally watch anytime they are on the television. I will stop and I will watch them are in this category. I'm I'm, I'm really struggling here, Steve. And uh, the, the reason is, as anybody who hung around me and Steve Turek at Monster Bash this year Probably got to hear him and I bicker back and forth about Creature from the Black Uh-oh. Lagoon and Godzilla. And he said that MKR has a very strong creature bias, and his favorite movie of all time is Godzilla, and, and he thinks Godzilla should win. And I was like, no, 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 it's a gill man, it's a creature. Apparently, I'm not doing my job because Gojira won. <laughs> it's a great film. And I, I, I could, I could lie. I could just say, nope, no, nope, no, but I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to, you know, this is all above board. Kojira took 60% of the vote. Wow. That's strong showing not to, to wipe away your tears or anything, but Gojira has, I think more significant subtext than any of the other films here, as much as I sure. love them and the creature. And I do. You know, yeah. like I said, these three films, they're all in probably my top 10 for monster movies. Sure. The sure. Gojira has, not only is it a great monster movie, but it's also got the really strong 
anti-war, anti-nuclear sentiment that mm-hmm. could only come out of a country that has been bombed with nuclear bombs. Thank God, the only one, hopefully the only one ever, but certainly the only one so far. Well, and it's got a legacy. It's it, Creature's great. I love Creature. But it's far from the first rubber-suited monster movie from Universal. Right. Gojira is the first Daikaiju film. Right. It, it is... It for Japan for the rubber suited thing that Japan right. was doing. It kicked it all off. Without Gojira, we don't have Rodan. We don't have Varan. We don't have King Ghidorah. We don't have Mothra. We don't have War of the Gargantuas. We don't have Gamera. We don't. Have, and the list is almost endless. And so, in that sense too, in the sense of legacy, it has a as much as I love the creature. It's one of my favorite films. Agreed. Gojira casts a a much longer shadow. But then <laughs> we come to the best monster category. Best monster. The last category from 1954. The last category in the rallies for this season. Best monster. And if you thought you were getting off easy, you were wrong. Because <laughs> here we are again. We have right at the top the two that are probably head to head for this. The Gill Man, the creature from the Black Lagoon. We have Godzilla. From Gojira. We have the amazing, I think, Robert Maddie's giant squid from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I think Maddie was the guy that created the mechanics for that. We have the amazing practical effect giant ants from them. Finally, we have the amazing mechanical robots from Gog. That'd be Gog and Magog for those of you keeping track. So, this is the big one. This is the title fight. 1954. And the big one won. Godzilla. <laughs> well, you got to admit, in a fight, he would win. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to recount these ballots because I'm thinking half of these were like hanging chads and stuff, right? This can't be right. <laughs> Clearly, so Steve Turek hacked Google. To <laughs> and I think, I think, again, we can explain this perhaps somewhat by the fact that the – Godzilla casts a long shadow. He is a franchise. He is, you know, 30-odd movies and counting at this point. He is now an animated movie series because the U.S. is doing their own movie series. Godzilla is Godzilla. And the creature, for better or worse, has not appeared in anything after of significance after the creature walks among us. You know, even if you want to count Monster Squad, that's not really him. That's not our Gil, man. That is a Hey, Gil. man. It's you are totally. You are totally forgetting Uncle Gilbert from the Monsters. Come on. Oh, you're right. There is that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that Abbott Costello appearance that I've never seen. But yes. Well, that was before Creature happened, though. That was his first screen appearance was the Abbott and Costello thing. Really? That's how they introduced him. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise. So even before the film. Learned anyway, Godzilla wins. Steve Turek wins whatever non-existent bet there was between him and I. <laughs> I hope you're happy, Steve. The, um, you don't remember what the, the stakes were, Derek? You, there were, he takes no, over no. Monster Kid Radio now. It was, really? He had a good run, but it's over, dude. <laughs> <sighs> no, no. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. He can have it. I, I'm going to take my ball and go home. You guys can do your own show from now on about Godzilla. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure, somebody is. So, well, Kyle is. Hey, Kyle. I was going to say, there's the kaiju cast. So. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why, honestly, I haven't done a lot of kaiju films on Monster Kid Radio because I know Kyle's kind of 
got that whole thing wrapped up and does an incredible job and there's no way I can compete. But I do feel like I want to do some more kaiju stuff on the show. So Oh yeah, absolutely. Stay tuned. We'll do some more kaiju stuff down the line. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So that was the rallies, 1954. Uh, lots of ups, lots of downs, some surprises for me, uh, some tears <laughs> for me. And, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. And we'll do this again next year for 1955. I'm not sure what we're looking at yet. I'd have to look at the uh, the monster yeah, categories or the monster films that came out that year. Should be fun. Thanks for voting, everybody. Steve, thanks for doing this again with us. Uh, really appreciate having you on for all of this. And to have you be part of the show, of course. My great pleasure, as always. I'm hoping that uh, sometime very soon we'll do a, a non-rally show where we, you and I will talk about either The Mummy or some other movies. Oh, boy. Looking I'm, forward to that. I'm looking ahead at 55. We're in trouble. Oh, yeah? What do we got? Tarantula. Ooh. Later Mass Experiment. Ooh. Night of the Hunter. Ooh. This Island Earth. Ooh. We're in trouble. (laughs) He saw them capture innocent people only to destroy. turned against sun. People changed into strange, weird animals. A general of the army becomes a saboteur. Trusted police turned into arsonists. The boy's parents changed into killers. Invaders from Mars, weird, fantastic beings of a superintelligence, ruling a race of synthetic humans and pitting them against mankind's dream to conquer the universe. Come on, step on it. Search every tunnel. we got to find Ronaldo and the kid. When the colonel gives a signal, get back here on the double. C-3PO, Loki, Mace Windu, Dr. Bruce Banner, Captain Rex, Venom, Princess Leia, Jean Grey, Darth Maul, Nick Fury, Grand Moff Tarkin, Captain America, Lando Calrissian, Cyclops. What do all these characters have in common? Well, two of them were played by Samuel L. Jackson. A couple of them were played by Hammer Films veterans Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Come on, guys. You know this. Well, of course we do, Jessica. Just like Mickey Mouse and Captain Jack Sparrow, they're all now Disney characters. Hello, I'm Tracy of the Disney Indiana Podcast, and my co-host Scott and I enjoy talking about all aspects of the House of Mouse, and that includes their newest properties, Marvel and LucasArts. We also talk about Disney resorts, the cruise line, theme parks, and whatever else Mickey has to offer. Which includes movies, imagineering, video games, and collectibles. You'll never know what we'll decide to talk about. 
So check us out at www.disneyindiana.com or do a search for the Disney Indiana podcast on iTunes because now we've got a lot more to talk about. And don't forget about those other quote-unquote Disney characters like, well, Sully. Fozzie Bear. Buzz Lightyear. Link Hogthrob. Doug. Janice. Merida. Pepe. Bruce. Ralph the Dog. Wally. The Disney Indiana Podcast. Even after five years, we're still miles away from the nearest Main Street, USA. We're not listed on the map, but you can join us at www.disneyindiana.com. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, it's alive. A gigantic beast, stalking the earth, crushing all before it in a cyclonic cavalcade of electrifying horror, raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Incredible titan of terror, wiping out a city of six million in a holocaust of flame. Jet planes cannot destroy it. Bombs cannot kill it. All modern weapons fail. Is this the end of our civilization? Can the scientists of the world find a way to stop this creature? For the answer, see Godzilla, king of the monsters. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. A tale to stun the mind. More fantastic than any ever written by Jules Verne. More terrifying than any ever shown on the screen. Awesome. Incredible. Unbelievable. A story beyond your wildest dreams. Dynamic violence. Savage action. Spectacular thrills. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Fantastic beyond comprehension. Gripping beyond compare. Astounding beyond belief. The mightiest monster of them all. See Godzilla, King of the Monsters. We haven't had her on the show for a couple of weeks because she's been busy. Mm. (laughs) Brenda's back. Yes. I just got back from Juneau, Alaska. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very uh, pretty there. Had a lot of people uh, reach out to me saying, you know, they missed you and they support you. Aww. All sorts of nicey nice stuff about you. None of which you're going to put on the show. I think maybe I'm one of teasing. the... I'm <laughs> <laughs> teasing. Teasing. <laughs> uh, so Brenda was up in Alaska for a funeral and uh, mm-hmm. we, we've missed having you here. Thanks. So, I appreciate it. Got a handful of emails. Thought maybe we'd dive into those, unless there's anything you want to talk about. No. Okay, fine. All right. (laughs) Hi, Derek. Oh, I'm out of practice. Hi. (laughs) Wow. Hope you are continuing to feel better after your surgery. Of course, our conditions all improve as Halloween gets closer. Loved the latest show on the Wasp Woman with Tracy Morris. I did have a couple literary questions related to it that I hoped you or other monster kids might be able to shed some light on. One issue was, why turn poor Susan Cabot? Cabot. (laughs) Why turn poor Susan Cabot? Cabot. Oh. (laughs) It's Cabot. Why turn Susan... Oh, <laughs> into a giant wasp when with the storyline it might have been more logical for her to turn into a giant bee 
because I don't like bees. You know, just I, kidding. I don't like wasps either. I, I didn't even think about this when I pulled up this email for you. Um, you really don't like bees. Well, I don't like wasps even more. Okay. They're so mean. Okay. They're little flying jerks. <laughs> And we just lost all of our wasp listeners. Thank you so much. <laughs> that, that vital, that important wasp demographic. Thanks. Well, if you like wasps, I really think there's something wrong with you. It's not whether or not I like them, whether or not they like Monster Kid Radio. I well, want the download numbers. I know, man. but there's something wrong with them. <laughs> you want a pure audience. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I took a look online, and it appears fantasists Ronald Dahl, who of course wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So that's actually pronounced, and I'm not joking, Roll Dahl. Roll Dahl. <gasps> why, why did I see Ronald? You know, because it's spelled like that minus the N. Yes. Roll Dahl. Roll Dahl. He did Charlie and Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach. Actually wrote a James Bond movie published the story Royal Jelly with a similar theme the same year, 1959. I kind of wonder if Corman caught wind of that and didn't want to be accused of plagiarism. As for Jeff Polier's discussion of Roddy McDowell's film It, yeah, I love that movie too. Do you think the name Roddy's character has, Arthur Pym, might have been a nod to Edgar Allan Poe's unfinished novel, The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym? Of course, the Poe story influenced H.P. Lovecraft in writing At the Mountains of Madness, and that's where he got the sounds that the Shagas make. To Kelly Lee? You know, I... I to Kelly Lee. Like these fancy words that you see in books. That's not fancy. Well, I mean, okay, maybe not fancy, but like made-up words yeah. or, or things like that. It's kind of hard to tell. I've heard right. it pronounced a couple of different ways. Okay. As we have agreed in previous discussions, all worthwhile contemporary Western culture has its roots in the works of the three musketeers of weird tales. Lovecraft, Clark Ashton Smith, and Two-Gun Bob, Robert E. Howard. Best wishes to you and Brenda. Hope you have a great time at the Cthulhu Tiki Festival in Portland. Alan Trump. Okay, how's your nose? How's my nose? Uh, actually, it hurts pretty badly today. But that's abnormal. Yeah. Uh, it's been getting better slowly. So slowly much better, better yes. Um, I did something. I don't know. Just it feels uh, like a cut right now. Mm. I don't know why. So stingy? Yeah. Okay. Not like a bee sting or a wasp sting. But, mm. You know. So I'm trying to keep it on track. Nice here, segue. You know? <laughs> All right. Why a wasp instead of a bee? I think wasp woman has that, oh. you know, that alliterative... Oh. Feel? I don't know. She couldn't be Bee Betty. Just doesn't have the same sting. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Even though. Do you think it had to do? Laughing hurts. Stop making me laugh. (laughs) Do you think it had anything to do with not being accused of plagiarism? Or you think it's alliteration? I Well, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. I'd be real curious to find out. And if anybody out there knows, I'd like mm-hmm. to know uh, what you know so that we can all know. Don't you know? Have we talked about my nose yet? <laughs> um, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Arthur Pym, do you think it's a nod to the unfinished novel about Gordon Pym? 
Again, I don't know. However, I would not be surprised if, if nothing else, uh, the, the name does have a very Edgar Allan Poean kind of feel, mm. maybe even a little Lovecraftian. Well, that's what he's saying. This yeah. sort of inspired... That, just in the naming convention. Mm-hmm. So, All right. The uh, Tikalili or whatever, that, that is from Lovecraft, but that also inspired something that you love. The little crab things in the Dark Tower. Oh, data chum, data mm-hmm. junk. Mm-hmm. This is me making crab hands. Yeah, that's the best podcast. <laughs> Brenda sitting here making crab hands. Data chum, data chuck. <laughs> Alan is going to be on the show either next week or the week after that, depending right. on how something kind of falls into place for us. So Okay, tell me about Cthulhu Tiki Festival. So the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in Cthulhu Con is the first full weekend of October, which I believe this, I don't know, I have to look at the calendar, maybe 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, maybe 4th, 5th, 1, 2, anyway, it's uh, it's the festival, and every year they try to have a theme now, and this mm. year's theme is tiki-themed, so there's going to be a lot of Innsmouth stuff, uh, they have a Lovecraft-inspired musical selection uh, that they're taking some classic Hawaiian type songs mm-hmm. that have a Lovecraftian lyrics. Uh, oh, they have Lovecraftian lyrics kind of thrown in instead. The Kickstarter is now over. Yes, and I'm so sorry that we couldn't afford to get you the package you wanted this it's, year. You know what? It's it is what it is. I know you love going to that dress up event the vip thing yeah Yeah. i'm so sorry and you wanted that tiki shirt so bad yeah with it being all tiki themed a lot of the special things were like a a tiki cthulhu print yeah styled like a camp or hawaiian shirt which man i really hope they have those for sale that's that's what i'm kind of hoping for. yes but it's just a few weeks away are we going to be able to afford it yeah we'll see we'll see yeah don't get your hopes up too high honey i think you actually oops you break yourself over there? I'm making not great podcasting sounds. <laughs> I think you actually get paid the first day of the festival, so I'll be fine. <laughs> I guess rent doesn't have to come out of that. <laughs> Who needs power? <laughs> uh, so this year, yes. I think it's all but confirmed that Dominique Lamsey's will be having a presentation about doing some crafty stuff, Ooh. which will be really cool. Yes. And I don't think my panel was chosen the one that i submitted however i will be a panelist on chris mcmillan's panel yeah the title of which is escaping me but the the gist is that it's going to be uh, some forgotten weirdness lovecraftian movie type things you are doing a terrible job i really am but my nose hurts that's my excuse so i know there was a lot going on and you didn't have a chance to really come up with some good panel ideas and I am sorry for that as well, even though I had very little to do with it. <laughs> well, I'll tell the listeners, and maybe, maybe I'll turn it into an episode down the line. Why not? I mean, it's, it's, if they're not going to use it at the festival, I can use it on oh, the Oh, no. Well, I mean, if the Lovecraft Film Festival rejected it, is it really good enough? Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> so I forgot the name that I used as well. Derek, Michael, <laughs> no, what right? is going on? I don't know. <laughs> my blood sugar's messed up. and It is, I'm isn't it? Yeah. And, yes. you know, my pelvis itches. What? Anyway. What? Why are you even. You better put a monster growl over that. <laughs> Not fair. <laughs> so my panel idea was looking at Lovecraftian elements or weird 
cosmic fiction elements that turn up or can be found in kaiju media. And the reason I pitched oh. it this time around is because one of the special guests whose name I do know, but I'm not going to try to pronounce because I don't speak Japanese and I'll butcher it and I'll never hear the end of him, Dominique, um, is a guy who was a showrunner on some of the Ultraman TV shows back in the 90s, I believe. And he wrote a whole bunch as well. And I am really excited that hopefully he'll be on a panel or two that I can kind of bring up some Ultraman stuff because I love my Ultraman. You do, but remember, people are there for Lovecraft. Well, I'll, I'll tailor it to... Mm-hmm. So this one monster you created in the season finale of Ultraman Gia or Gia or Tiga mm-hmm. or whichever one it was looks just like what Cthulhu should have looked like. And what's the deal there, buddy? I don't know. <laughs> So I would suggest that you get Dominique to record the name of this person and you just slip it in as your voice. <laughs> I love that idea. I love that idea. Well, she's going to be at the festival too. So, know. you know, maybe I'll she just, has a panel. She, she's at the presentation. So I'll bring her to that panel yes. and I'll just kind of like nudge her when it's time to say the name. I meant in the show, honey. Oh, you meant in the show. I thought yes. you meant like record it for no. the actual no. festival. So I can just have it like on an, uh, my iPod or something. And when it's time to say something to this man, just say, hello, mister, and then hit play. That's way more complicated than what I was thinking. It's a lot more complicated but than just you kind of nudging you. Dominique. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which actually, this is kind of similar to the presentation that Alan did at the Lovecraft Film Festival years ago when he brought a bunch of uh, movie posters that had... Lovecraftian things going on and he showed the trailer for the movie Yogg which is also known as Space Amoeba which has a kai- which is a kaiju thing and kind of kind of said this was a Japanese Cthulhu film and it really wasn't but it was funny. Anyway, okay. Alan's the man. Alan Trump is. Alan is the man. Yes. Okay. You keep pointing at this like you're trying to segue into this email. I'm not I, um, okay. Yeah, you keep doing this. We're out of, What was that? Show the listeners what I just this. did with my hand. Uh-huh. This. We are out of sync. <laughs> out of sync, out of practice. Let's do another email. Okay. That's all we're doing is emails. Okay. The one voicemail I played earlier in the show. So Been enjoying the show. The Famous Monsters of Filmland is a great tie-in. That was some amazing cover art, not to mention all of the Warren publications. I spent a lot of allowances on those mags. Glad to hear you were recovering from the nasal surgery. I went through it a year ago, and it was a drag. Questions about horror hosts. Oh, okay. The reason that's in there is this was a conversation he and I had. Yeah. And I he told me that he grew up watching particular horror hosts. And I asked him, are you watching any horror hosts now? And this was his response. Okay. Mostly watching Svengooly, Old Elvira, and MST3K these days. I do listen to Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. You never know who is going to show up. He is a huge fan of classic horror. He had Ron Chaney and Janet Ann Gallo on. Jim from Agent Octopus. Uh, The Gilbert Gottfried thing came up because we were talking about other podcasts and such. And uh, Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, I think it's called The Amazing Podcast. He does have a lot of Monster Kid guests come on. I've heard Sarah Karloff. I've heard Bela Lugosi Jr. Mm. on there. I don't listen to the show all the time. But if there's a guest that I'm really interested in, I will download the show and listen. Because I need more Sarah Karloff and Bela Lugosi and Ron Jr. in my life. Yeah. So he's from Agent Octopus. Yes. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. (laughs) 
is That's the name of the album. Yes. So the reason I included that in the email is to remind me to mention again that the song that we used to open the show and we'll be closing the show is from his band, Agent Octopus. Okay, is it from the album Bottoms Up? It is, and the song is called Black Pyramid, which took its name from the name of the classic pinball game from the 80s. And there's even, Mm. yeah, that's what that little picture is, just to kind of remind me to bring it up. Oh, got it. And I will mention it at the beginning of the show, obviously, and at the end, but the website, do you have it there? Agent Octopus, there's no www. Agentoctopus.wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com slash Agent Octopus octopus right again there will be a link in the show notes go check out the music i really dug it anyway thanks for writing in thanks for reaching out to me about the music and offering us to now did he offering to let us use the music did jim he didn't really send an email you copy cut and paste from yeah we, oh, right. it wasn't like an actual here's some feedback for the show yes. but still i wanted to include it and yes i like like i said i really like black pyramid it's one of my favorite yes. songs that i've heard this year perfect so i really dug it also, the famous monsters of Filmland, mm. the segments that Ken's been sending in, I have really enjoyed. Just big shout out to Ken for doing that. When we do the episode on Monster Piatris Blancas, which may be next week or the week after that, Ken's already sent in a segment for that Yay. to talk about it. So totally love that. And speaking of segments, I actually just heard from somebody, uh, I think today, about somebody doing a segment potentially on pre-code horror comics. Which would be really cool. What does pre-code mean? So pre-code means the comics code. So if you go back and you look at a lot of the old horror comics from like the 30s and such. I think that's right. They're bloody. They're gruesome. There are severed heads on the covers. They're, they're all pretty bad. And there was this huge push to censor these and say they were a bad influence. And, you know, they lead to juvenile delinquency and they're terrible, blah, blah, blah. So the comics industry got together and made their own comics code. So they didn't have one imposed on them. Exactly. Much yes. like how the motion picture industry did. Yes. So these pre-code comics, though, are all really cool. And I don't know much about them other than I like looking at them and reading them. Mm -hmm. So to have somebody do a segment on that. So anybody who has an idea for a segment, drop me a line. And we'll talk about maybe working something out. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Hey, Derek. Hey. Loving the podcast, and I hope you and Brenda are doing well. I've been behind for a while, and I'm finally catching up on your latest episodes. I'm probably late to the party, and they're all gone, but I thought I'd give it a shot. Do you have any more Cordex of the Classic Five still available for purchase? If so, I will buy one. Thanks, Eric M. Yes, and the past couple of weeks I've actually been really bad about saying, and I'll tell you at the end of the show how you can order one, and then I always forget. Oh, I'm terrible about it. But yes, I do have some core decks left. They're $15 a piece. The Hammer expansion, the Universal expansion, and the Monster Batch expansion are $5 a piece. Shipping is $4 here in the States. So yeah, I do have them. Now, I did reach out to Eric yeah. and told him we've got them. Yeah. And also, I wanted to give a shout out to Eric because he was one of the backers on the Kickstarter that I'm doing. Ooh, Ah, I don't know what was happening. I was just excited (laughs) to talk about your Kickstarter. That's why I brought it up. (laughs) So we are doing a Kickstarter campaign now to launch a premium Monster Kid Radio podcast called Plan 9 by 9. I've been blabbing about it on Facebook all over the place. Yes. It's going to be awesome. It's inspired by the Movies by Minute phenomenon. Can I just say, by premium, you don't mean 
This is a good for all. If somebody buys into this and you've already met your goal, everybody can access it. Yes. So when I say premium, I mean, it's going to be a special thing. It's going to be a limited release because what we're doing is looking at Plan 9 from outer space nine minutes at a time, which means at minimum, there will be nine episodes. There will actually be a few more because we've hit stretch goals. two stretch goals to have yes. some bonus episodes. And I had some bonus things kind of in the works anyway. Yes. But we do have our stretch goals met, which means yes. not only are we talking about Plan 9 from Outer Space 9 Minutes at a Time, we are going to look at the Disney film Ed Wood from 1994, starring Johnny Depp, directed mm-hmm. by Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. And when I say me, I mean, I'm sorry. And when I say we, I mean me and my partner, Scott Morris, who is... Who? Scort? Scort. Scort Morris. Scort Morris. Scort Morris. Oh, boy. What just happened there? <laughs> yes. Scott is yeah. my partner on the Plan 9 show, and mm-hmm. he and his wife, Tracy, will be joining me to talk about the movie Ed Wood. Okay. Which will be really cool. And then the other bonus episode, Scott and I will be taking a look at the movie Plan 9, mm-hmm. which was a remake uh, yeah, I guess basically a remake of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Okay. Starring people like Mr. Lobo in the role of Criswell, but he has a lot more to do in this version of the film. Mm. And Conrad Brooks actually is in the film as well. Mm. This movie was produced before he unfortunately passed on. Conrad Brooks was in the original Plan 9 from Outer Space. Okay, so the stretch goal you haven't met yet is the commentary correct. track that can be downloaded and then played alongside correct correct yeah so even though we're calling all this premium stuff once these are produced and released anybody can download them they're going to have their own separate feed no uh the commentary will be separate from that and i don't know how we're going to do it yet but those who haven't backed need to purchase it We'll work out some details on the fan commentary track, but right. that's the next. That's the next stretch goal. Yes, yeah. and so it is exclusive to those who back. Yes, <laughs> it is because I know how much work goes into that. I know you've done it once before, and it is not easy. It's a lot of production value. It's a lot of research work, and it is. Going for free to those who back our thing, even the smallest amount. Right. So anybody who contributes to the Kickstarter will get the fan commentary track. Right. But That's what you're saying. Okay. Yes. I thought you were saying something totally No, different. no. But My if apologies. you don't contribute, then you have to buy it at a higher cost than it would be to just donate a small amount. Right. To the Kickstarter. But okay. Not, but you don't have to pay the stretch goal amount. Oh, goodness. No. Wait, what? You Did you think I was saying somebody had to pay... A thousand two hundred dollars to yes. get the comp? No, <laughs> that seems unreasonable, honey. It is unreasonable. Yes, I'm having a lot of fun just thinking about what this Plan Nine podcast yes. is going to be like. I'm excited, a little nervous, but I'm really jazzed up about it. Yes. And and to give Plan Nine from Outer Space its its proper respect. Also having fun with it. You know, I know yes. a lot of people call it the worst film of all time or so bad is good, but that movie brings me a lot of joy and I'm really excited to share that joy with everybody. Everybody else. Yeah. I don't know how much of that you're going to cut out. I apologize if that came across as no, best podcasting ever bossy as opposed to limit setting but i know how much work goes into this and you aren't giving it away for free if i have anything to say about it you're the only one with an income right now you get to make that call (laughs) 
it's all good. That's not we true. We kind of implied that with it's the whole "I'm going to blow all of our, your paycheck at the Lovecraft Film Festival" thing. Yeah, that's not happening either. Well, we'll again, see. limit setting, not bossy. You get one limit <laughs> per a, night, a quarter, a quarter, a season. What is wrong with you? You get one limit ever. Yeah how how has that worked for you, honey? Not so great. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm having a blast with the Plan 9. So, listeners, tell your friends. If you know anybody who's interested in Plan 9 from Outer Space, share the link. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. I don't remember what the short and tiny URL link is, so I'll mention the air. Words. Words are hard. Stupid mind. Stupid. Stupid. Maybe Squirt can (laughs) give the tiny URL. I'll mention it at the end of the show. Oh, right. We're almost there. We're almost there. And Eric, again, thanks for writing in and thanks for your support. And thanks to everybody who supported the Kickstarter so far. We hit mm. our goal within, what, two days? It's amazing. I am blown away. But and I'm glad because I know how much work will go into this to uh, recording all the episodes and then editing all the episodes and then these stretch goals you have. Well, and the regular rewards, too. The regular rewards are awesome. Original artwork and a wooden USB drive. For Edwood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I do think it's fair to get, you know, a, an income from that. Yeah, pay, paying myself a little bit of a, a yeah, salary. pay yourself to do the work. And if this goes well, we've already started talking about what the next premium podcast will be. Mm-hmm. And maybe even the third. Well. Yeah. Look at you. And uh, I can say that they've also got the reputation of being the worst movies of all time. That's all I'm going to say. We call that a tease. Sure. In the business. Hey, Monster Kid Radio. Hey, that's you too, though. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hello. Please promote this great event. Frankenstein accompanied by the Piedmont Wind Symphony. Love the show, man. Thank you, Greg R. I think this email came in because I'm constantly saying, if there's anything in your neck of the woods, yeah. you can watch your kids will dig, let me know. Yes. I followed the link to this, yes. and it is the original Universal Frankenstein, mm-hmm. which is pretty bereft of original music. Okay. Uh, the early Universal monster movies didn't have an original score, usually. So what's happening is this movie's being shown, and there's an original score that's been composed that will be played live while the film is being projected. Now, the music is by Michael Shapiro, and I went and found his SoundCloud page, and the overture for Frankenstein is available there to listen to, Mm. and I shared it on Facebook earlier today. It's awesome. I really dig it, and I really hope there's a way to hear the entire score somehow. I'm going to reach out to the uh, musician and maybe even the Piedmont people, because I would love to hear it, because that music sounds amazing. And of course, there will be a link in the show notes, but... Right. Can I put it on there? It's Piedmont Wind Symphony. There is a www.com slash Frankenstein. And also no www.soundcloud.com slash Michael-Shapiro-14. Right. I don't know if that means there's like 13 other Michael Shapiros on there or what, but... <laughs> You know, it was there. So uh, his other music's also available on his SoundCloud page. But if you look, you can find the overture, and it's awesome. And I think that's it. Well, no. The last thing is, shout out to Doug F. and Jeff B. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> the shout out to them is because I posed to the listeners the question, what should I do for episode 400? 
Episode 400 is coming. This is episode 387, which means we got 13 episodes, 13 weeks before the big 400. Mm-hmm. And both of those guys gave me some pretty cool ideas. And Ooh. I'm open to any more suggestions. Okay. I, I don't know what we're going to do yet. But I okay. like both of these ideas quite a bit. One of them, actually, I may follow up on and just I don't want to wait till 400 because it's just so cool. <laughs> okay. And the other one actually sounds like a lot of fun, but a lot of work. But it might be worth it, especially since I'm not working and I have plenty of free time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so if you want to help me fix that and you have any audio editing needs, yes. drop me a line at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. I charge around $20 an hour and I work incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. I'll make all the other audio out there jealous of what you have. So, yeah, just drop me a line if you're interested in any audio production. I got your hookup. You are the hookup. I am the hookup. <laughs> well, these were people that emailed us at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. I'll go over that again here in a couple of minutes here on the show. But big thanks to Brenda for coming back home. But that sounded like there was a choice. Big thanks for Brenda. Wait a minute. Was there not a choice? I not. I mean, there was. Wait no, wait. I'm just glad you're back. Okay. That's what I'm trying I'm to say. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> I love you. I love you too, hon. Thanks for doing the email and doing yes. all this stuff. And uh, yeah. And thanks to the listeners for mm. all of the support yes. uh, that was sent our way with everything that we've been dealing with. So right. Big, and big, big the podcast uh, Kickstarter. It's been incredible. It's amazing. Again, I'll make sure there's a link to the Kickstarter. And here in a couple of weeks, Scott and I are actually going to get together and record an episode zero. So that'll be coming soon. Mm -hmm. It'll come out in its own feed. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'll probably put the zero in the MKR feed as well, just to kind of kind of cross promote a little bit. Oh. And help people find it. What if MKR people don't want your episode zero? They don't have to listen. (laughs) What if it ever what if it auto downloads? Well, that's kind of how podcasting works, but I won't be offended <laughs> if you just hit delete. I just get the download number. That's all I oh, care about. No, I'm no. <laughs> that's the second time you've said that, and it's so not what you care about. No, it's really not. What I care about is engaging with everybody. And, yes. And uh, having this awesome community of people. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, the episodes there will be coming probably very beginning of October. Mm. Yeah, it couldn't be any earlier than that because Scott and I are recording at the end of September. So it'd be okay. kind of weird if we did it before then. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anything else? That's all. Let me feed your face. Yeah, I want some dinner. I know you're hungry because you can't think straight. I know. <laughs> <laughs> witnessing a biological chain reaction, a geometrical progression of deadly menace. It had started casually, insignificantly, as momentous events often do. Look there. Two points off the port bow. The giant behemoth, the fire-spitting monster predicted in the Bible, its core a mass of lethal radiation. Rising from the depths of time, its strength enormous, its gargantuan ferocity a threat to London.
to the world itself. We must find a way of destroying this creature in one piece. Judging by the beast's size, I would say it was powerful enough to drive a battleship. Of course, its tremendous electric charge is what projects the radiation. That's what makes the creature so deadly. Well, have you any concrete suggestions? Yes. First, block off the Thames. seems deserted. That monster's on the loose right here in town. Anybody catch sight of this thing? Well, a few kids playing in the street said he was 20 feet tall, covered with long hair and had great big teeth. Behind these empty streets, these windows shut in fear, lies the strange story of a young girl who knows the secret of the teenage monster. Fascinated by an evil demon, unable to control her sinister desires, she leads the monster to his prey, sacrificing an entire town to his insatiable lust for human life. I don't like to be stolen from her. I don't like to be laughed at. Oh, but it's not going to happen anymore. Because Charles won't let it. He'll kill anybody who does. Even you, I think. <gasps> Joe Martindale came in this morning, lost six of his blooded steers last night, and a rider. The steers had their throats torn out, and the rider, Bill Begley, was beat to death. It's that thing again. I'll meet you back at the office. I'm going to have to go, Ruth. You stay in town. That thing's loose on the range again, not 15 miles from your mind. What was it? It was that thing. Harry and horrible. And... Oh, it was awful. Yeah. I saw him, the monster. He ran away from this barn carrying the girl. A posse in panic, not knowing what they'll find. Man, beast, or demon from another world as they pursue the loathsome killing thing they call the teenage monster. That brings us to the end of the show. Did you like what you heard? Well, let me know. Drop me a line at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Or if you want, you can call in and leave us a voicemail. Our phone number is 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. And um, can you call in or, or write in and let me know that you actually voted for a creature from a Black Lagoon for best movie and best... Because, you know, I mean, it's not that I'm hurts i just i'm disappointed <laughs> okay seriously though i'd love to hear from you i'd love to hear your thoughts on the rally awards or on anything that we've talked about on this episode or the previous 386 episodes of monster kid radio of course our contact information is available on our website over at monsterkidradio.net where you're going to find links to everything you need to know about the podcast everything that we've talked about here on the podcast our facebook page our facebook group and the kickstarter that brenda and i talked about the plan nine by nine podcast can be found at tiny url dot com slash plan nine by nine and it's the number nine both times not spelled out so p l a n nine b y 
Nine. Anyway, head over there to check out the Kickstarter that we're running for the Plan Nine by Nine podcast. Check out the really cool rewards, the wood USB drive, the original artwork, and become part of that podcast. Help us make it possible. And like I said earlier, like we alluded to, if this one does really well, well, I've got a couple more in mind. And well, that'll be a lot of fun too. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that. And again, thanks to everybody who's supported us that way. Thank you to everybody who supported us through Patreon. Of course, we have a Patreon page. You can help support Monster Kid Radio proper. Through that, we have a link to our Patreon campaign over there on our website, or you can just go to patreon.com slash Monster Kid Radio and support us that way. One of the levels on the Patreon page is for you to become a Toho level backer of the podcast. And what you get for that is you get your name included in the executive producer roll call segment of the show. We can do that every month, or at least we're going to start doing that every month. And next week, you're going to hear a roll call of everybody who's helped support us at the Toho level or higher. So check out the Patreon page and see how you can support the show that way. I am going to ask you, though, to support the show by sharing the links, the podcasts, the tweets, the Facebook posts. Just let everybody know. The more, the merrier. We love having as many monster kids as possible around the virtual roundtable talking about monster movies. And next week, we're going to be talking about another one. Although I'm not 100% sure what it's going to be. Originally, it was going to be the monster of Piedras Blancas, and it still very well may be. However, I'm trying to get a small piece of audio to uh, put into that episode, and I don't have it yet. So I wanted to allow myself some wiggle room. You'll either hear the monster of Piedras Blancas with Chris McMillan, or you're going to hear about a unique vampire movie called The Hand of Night from 1968. It's also known as Beast of Morocco, and we'll be talking about that with Alan Trump. So it'll either be that or The Monster Piedras Blancas. That's what's coming up next week. Stay tuned. Just bottom line, stay tuned, and you'll get the next episode no matter what it happens to be. Thanks again to just everybody who's listening to the show, downloading the show, giving us honest reviews in the iTunes store, just being part of this Monster Kid tribe that I've somehow managed to find myself in. It's amazing, and I would not be where I'm at today, mentally, emotionally, and, well, successfully, if not for you guys and gals. Thank you for being part of the show this week. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Black Pyramid. That belongs to the band Agent Octopus, which you can find at agentoctopus.wixsite.com slash agentoctopus. There will be a link in the show notes. Pick up the album Bottoms Up, and you'll be able to hear the song Black Pyramid, as well as every other song on that album for $9.99. Check them out. Let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. My name is Derek Kim Cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao.